0: Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Pegg, where psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics and shares biblically-based psychological strategies for living well and staying safe. Now, here is your host of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark.
1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the show. October 17th begins National Estate Planning Week, and in order to help you prepare, today's show will give you helpful guidance on how to start planning now. But before I introduce my guest, let me present you with a few scenarios. A single person undergoes elective surgery and it goes wrong. Who makes decisions? A couple is separated but not divorced, and one spouse dies. What happens to their assets? Both parents are involved in an accident, and both parents eventually die. What happens to the kids? Well, we don't like thinking about these questions, and most of us cannot answer these questions, but my guest today, estate attorney Michelle Adams, can. And Michelle Adams will help us start the estate planning process and tell us how to protect ourselves and our families in the event of sickness, accidents, or untimely death. And you can join the conversation today by calling 303-477-5600 if you have a question for Michelle Adams about estate planning, wills, durable power of attorney, or trusts, call us today at 303-477-5600. Now Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. And if your school is in need of advanced safety education training or life-saving products, Technology and solutions, go to ssiguardian.com. And if you're ever away from your radio, you can stream today's program online at drpegradio.com. Or if you're out of the Colorado area where we're broadcasting over the air, go to drpegradio.com. Or if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, go to drpegradio.com for the program archives or to connect with our sponsor or to register for one of my upcoming workshops and events. And I've got two events coming up that I want to tell you about. If you're feeling stuck and ready for change, you'll want to register for my Do Something Different for Change personal transformation retreat in Denver on Saturday, December 30th, 2017. You'll participate in a transformational life-changing experience and kick off the new year with a new mindset and new strategies for change. You can take advantage of early bird pricing now through the end of October. Space is limited, so go to drpegradiocom retreat to register today. And if you love to walk, run, or eat pie, join me on my team for the Pumpkin Pie 5K and 10K race in Denver on Saturday, November 18th. It's a family-friendly race for runners and walkers. There's also a free quarter-mile run for kids, so bring out the whole family. All finishers get a huge piece of pie, and it really is a big, delicious piece of pumpkin pie. I did the race last year. You get a cool t shirt, a finisher's medal. And there's a a vendor's food and fun at the Finish Line Expo, and the cost to register for the 5K, if you register before November 1st, is only $25, and that's a really good deal for a 5K race. The 10K is a little bit more, but when you register, be sure to join my team, Living Well with Dr. Peg, and you can click on the Join a Team button and find Living Well with Dr. Peg in the drop-down menu and uh, you can be a part of my team. I'm giving away cool prizes to the first 10 people to register and join my team, Living Well with Dr. Peg team. Go to drpegradio.com slash pumpkin, p- slash pumpkin, and uh, click on the big pumpkin pie logo. Well, did you know that while most people love pie, only 56% of all Americans, or about half of us, do not have an up-to-date estate plan. So how's that for a segue?
2: <laughs> Beautiful segue. <laughs> my
1: my guest today in the studio is estate attorney Michelle Adams, and she's going to explain why estate planning is a vital but often overlooked element of financial wellness and how we can protect ourselves and our families in the event of sickness, accidents, or untimely death. Michelle Adams, thanks for being with me today. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you. I always enjoy being here, so it's my pleasure. Wonderful. Well, you're always one of my favorite guests. Uh, Estate planning is an often overlooked element of financial wellness, and about half of us, over 120 million people, do not have an up-to-date estate plan, and that's not to mention those who just don't have one at all, huh? Yes. Uh, And we need that plan to protect ourselves from Um, In the event of sickness, accident, untimely death, and especially our family members to provide for them. And so careful estate planning really can assist us in preserving our assets uh, that we've taken our whole life to build up uh, to benefit our families, heirs, charities. Uh, And October 17th, in a couple weeks, we're kicking off the National Estate Planning Week. So you're here to give everyone a head start in their planning, right? Of course, we should start planning two weeks before the actual National Estate Planning Week, (laughs) right? But it really never is too early to start thinking about the end of life and planning for our assets.
2: And I would say that so many folks focus on end of life, but it's also about disability planning. Mm. So, so often we think, well, that's not going to happen to me or, you know, I'm relatively young, so I don't have much to worry about. But absolutely, I tell everybody, once you turn 18, everyone needs a form of an estate plan. You Mm. might not need all the bells and whistles, but you do need some documents in place. Okay. And we'll get into what that all should look like. But when you say Uh, everyone should get
1: into uh, planning for their estate. It really, to me, it sounds like something only rich people have when you say my estate. So is estate planning really just for the wealthy?
2: And thank you for saying that, because (laughs) that's such a myth and a misconception that, well, only the very rich and elite need to worry about estate planning. We so often hear the stories of celebrities who die without their estate planning Mm. in place, and we think, oh, poor them. But It's about all of us, because like it or not, we all have some form or version of an estate. And that can be as simply as your bank accounts. It could be even social media and other digital accounts that we have, in addition to the very essential pieces regarding incapacity. So something should happen to you. You're not dead, but you need someone to make decisions who's going to step in to do that. Mm -hmm.
1: And so estate estate planning is not just about money. And so it really doesn't matter your, your income level at all.
2: Not at all. Mm -hmm. And that's one myth that I want to debunk. Mm -hmm. So everyone needs to get involved in some level of estate planning. You might not need the very elaborate, advanced, complex planning that we can do, Mm -hmm. but you do need something.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, if it's so important, how come so many of us don't do it. Uh, What are really some of those common barriers to having an estate plan or an up-to-date one if you've done it many, many years ago?
2: Sure. So the first thing we typically hear is that, oh, it's too complicated. Mm. And automatically we get into a form of paralysis analysis because we don't want to take on the necessary steps of really thinking through what assets do I have Or for some parents, they don't want to think about what would happen if they should die. So it's best for a lot of people in their minds to just put your head in the sand and just pray that nothing happens. But we all know that that is not an effective form of planning. We have to think about the what ifs. And they're never pleasant, but we have to think about... What would we do if this were to happen to us? So I think that's one barrier, the fact that people think it's going to be overly complicated. Right. And it reminds
1: me of, you know, the person who has some weird growth on their arm and They think, you know, if I go to the doctor, oh, no, it's going to be worse. And so I'll just ignore it and pray it goes away. But you could actually go to the doctor and discover it's nothing very serious and
2: can easily be treated. But by not going and prolonging it, it actually makes it worse in the end. That's exactly it. And one of the best things I love hearing from clients of mine is, you made it so easy. I Mm. thought it was going to be so much worse, but you made it so easy. And that's exactly Mm. it. It's not that bad. It's not like going to the dentist. No offense to the dentist.
1: out there. <laughs> and uh, it, it it really is just a matter of being proactive and taking the necessary steps. And, and you'll walk us through some of the th- important elements of estate planning. And for those who don't want to do it themselves, they really can hire a professional like yourself.
2: Yes. And in a lot of cases, that's definitely what people should do. I know that we live in a very much a DIY generation where you think I'm going to Google it or I'll look it up on YouTube and I can figure it out. And so often that <laughs> or get doesn't some kind work of template. Outside. Well, online like, yes, that you just fill in the blanks. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Everyone's situation is unique. So just because a, fam- a family member said, oh, do it this way, does not mean that that's the the right planning for you. Mm-hmm. So we don't do it because we think it's too complicated, but we can
1: hire a professional and actually should. Yes. Uh, we might not do it because it just feels a little weird to talk about. Like if I talk about dying, it'll make me die or something like that. I've heard that yeah, too. That yeah. was- <laughs> I found
2: that quite shocking, yeah. but yeah, someone <laughs> superstitious, said, I guess. yes, yes. And we know that that's not the case mm-hmm. when it's your time, it's your time. Right. And so the best thing that we can do is at least preempt any of the chaos, any of the anxiety, any of the drama that typically comes to pass once someone has died. Mm-hmm.
1: And so any other common barriers, uh, one that comes to mind is just kind of
2: procrastination absolutely, procrastination and also sometimes cost. Cost mm. can be prohibitive mm-hmm. for individuals and it runs the range. So don't let that be the piece that shies you away from going to speak with an attorney because most attorneys will offer an initial consultation at no charge where we can understand a little bit more about what your situation is and then give you some suggestions about next steps. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, we usually are able to quote a price based on what your issues are. And and some
1: people uh, have... A pretty uncomplicated scenario based on the number of assets that they may have or what their wishes are for some of the things we're going to talk about uh, including um, digital information documents even our own
2: body organs
1: right Absolutely. so depending on what your wishes are it could be pretty uncomplicated that's right and less cost in that case
2: and just to tie into that Most attorneys who work in this field of estate planning, I should, well, we will charge a flat fee. So oftentimes attorneys get, you know, we charge by the hour. And so a number of individuals think, well, I don't know, because that might lend to a very high, you know, attorney bill, Mm -hmm. but a lot of attorneys who practice in this field do it as a flat fee. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent.
1: Well, estate planning involves so many considerations. You've kind of alluded to many of them already, uh, including safekeeping of important documents, uh, the documentation of our assets, operation of law in the state in which you live and county even, perhaps um, the preparation of those actual legal instruments, insurance, uh, availability of trust arrangements, charitable giving, and so many other important factors. It really can be overwhelming. So, where should we start, Michelle?
2: Baby steps. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we hear, we call it alphabet soup. There yeah. are so many different types of estate planning that yeah. we can engage in. But I say, let's just break this down and start with baby steps and look at the essential five. Okay. And so, with that, we're first talking about the foundation, which is a will. And the will does many things one of which is to name the individual who will serve at the time of your death. And that individual is known here in Colorado as a personal representative. So that individual is tasked with making sure that any assets that are owed to the estate, that those are collected, and any debts that the estate owes, those things will get paid off. And then ultimately, whoever the beneficiaries are that are named in the will, those individuals receive whatever it is, that you're leaving them. Mm -hmm. Other important thing is for a parent who has minor children, the will is the place where you're going to nominate an individual to serve as Mm -hmm. guardian. Mm -hmm. And I can't overemphasize how important that is because I have seen too many uh, situations where the parents may have wanted – one particular individual to do it, but they never name that person. And now it's a court battle, so that a judge has to make the determination as to who should be the one raising these children. Wow. What I also tell parents is that no one will ever raise that child like you do, so please don't look for another version of you, but look for the next best thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so If you can find, and we all have those individuals, whether it's a family member, it could be a close friend, it could be someone that the children have known all their lives, but they're not related by blood, mm-hmm. it could be neighbors, but someone that you know is going to look out for the best interest of your children.
1: Right, and we'll get into some more detail later about some of the things to take into consideration, because especially you don't want to just name them as a guardian in the will but you've never spoken to anyone about that That, that's the that's the uh, the plot of a couple of movies, Hollywood movies, I think. <laughs> yes,
2: exactly. And I always get a big kick when I see that. Yeah. Um,
1: yes. <laughs> okay, good. Well, we'll we'll talk about what the other four important documents mm-hmm. are. I'm speaking with a state attorney, uh, Michelle Adams, and you can call us today to ask Michelle a question about your will or any of the other four documents that she's going to talk about. And we're talking about estate planning. It's National Estate Planning Week in a couple of weeks, and we're giving you a, a head start so you can engage in your planning now and at least thinking about uh, what should be in your will if you'd like to give us a call and speak with Michelle ask her a question you can call us at 303-477-5600 so Michelle you said there's five important documents we can take baby steps to start with uh, in thinking about estate planning the will is the first most important one we appoint a personal representative uh, are the who are our beneficiaries who's going to be the guardian of our children if we have children and you talked about assets uh, that are owed to the estate and debts that are owed. Can you explain what that means? What would sure. be examples of assets sure. and debts?
2: Sure. So uh, let's say as an example you might have rental property and so someone owes money to the individual uh, who passed mm-hmm. and so that personal representative needs to make sure they collect that money and anything else that could be owed. It could be a debt mm-hmm. that someone owes to the individual who died. Okay. And then in terms of liabilities, one of the things that you know are most common are funeral expenses. Mm-hmm. So at the time of death, we want to make sure that the estate is paying out for those fees and that is something that the personal representative would be tasked mm-hmm. with making sure that that debt is paid.
1: Yes. Well, you know, when we think of uh, that personal representative, I would would perhaps the vast majority of people appoint their surviving spouse. Mm-hmm or some other family member, but it seems like there's a lot that goes into it and those people may already have a full-time job. So what would be your recommendations around who that personal representative
2: should be? Yes. So one of the big things is, you're right, for most spouses, it definitely is a situation where they'll nominate each other, Mm -hmm. and typically that's good because they know or are familiar with what the assets in the estate are. Mm -hmm. Um, For those individuals who might be single or uh, they just don't trust (laughs) their Mm -hmm. spouse, then you would want to name someone who's just really good with money and organizational Mm -hmm. skills. So if they're good with their bills, if they're good with checking accounts, Mm -hmm. that is someone that you want to think about naming as your person. Personal representative.
1: Okay, and
2: certainly someone who would have the
1: time and ability to, because it seems like they're, if you're collecting old debts that are owed to you and rental property and things of that nature, it could get pretty involved and in time consuming.
2: And so often people keep what those assets are hidden and secretive. Uh. <laughs> so you want to make sure that whoever you're naming, yeah. you've also given them mm-hmm. indications as to where that information is being kept. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about those four
1: other documents, important documents that should be part a part of everyone's uh, estate plan uh, we've already learned about the will my guest is a state attorney Michelle Adams uh, and she's with the law offices, law office of Michelle Adams LLC and we're going to take a break but first when we come back Michelle will share with us what those other four documents are and why they're so important to have stay with us we'll be back
0: Are you prepared for a sudden cardiac arrest? Having an AED is simply not enough school athletic coaches are required to have cpr and aed training but they can only save a life with properly functioning and maintained equipment maintain compliance and reduce your liability with aed program management from ssi guardian buy an aed and receive a two-year management program for free call us today at 877-878-5800 or visit us at ssiguardian.com
3: you can learn a lot about yourself and god from a dog When her children asked for a dog, this mom got them gerbils. So imagine their surprise, and hers, when she adopted an abandoned dog that she met in Dallas, Texas, just one day after her divorce. In a way that only God could orchestrate, her spur-of-the-moment decision to take in a little dog she named Dallas was just the beginning of a seven-year journey that transformed her life and taught her to see herself and God in a whole new light. Read Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, a delightful and heartwarming book by psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Part memoir, part Christian inspiration, Doggy Tales is a must-read for anyone who wants to learn to recognize God's voice, even in the most unlikely places. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll love Doggy Tales. Go to drpegradiocom books to purchase your copy today.
0: Don't trust your safety to just anyone. SSI Guardian is the only choice. Visit us at SSIGuardian.com.
1: Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is Michelle Adams, a state attorney. We're talking all things estate planning. Michelle, how can listeners get in touch with you?
2: Yes. Please feel free to reach out to me via email at m.adams@colorado. Family Legacy.com. The website is also Colorado Family Legacy.com. The phone number is 720 432 9685. All right,
1: thank you. Well, uh, go to Colorado Legacy.com to reach out to Michelle. I'll also have a link to her information on my website, DrPegradio.com. And if you want to share this interview with a friend or family member, which I think would be a good thing to do, go to drpegradio.com. If you uh, have a, an elderly uh, parent or someone in your family who's disabled or uh, someone you know who has young children and they haven't made a plan for guardianship, this would be a great episode to share. So, again, you'll be able to go to drpegradio.com and see the program archives or just send them a quick text right now. Tell them to tune in that uh, they can still hear the rest of our interview. You can also join the conversation, have someone call in if you know that they need to hear this information, call in at 303-477-5600 if you have a question for Michelle Adams about your estate or your will, uh, or how you can make sure your assets get into the right hands after you're gone, which is important to many of us. Again, call us at 303-477-5600. So you're sharing with us, Michelle, about the five important documents that are really kind of the foundation of our estate plan, the will being the first. Yes. What are the others?
2: So the the next four are all documents that are related towards incapacity planning. Mm. So for, starting off with the power of attorney for your finances. And the financial power of attorney gives someone the ability to make financial decisions on your behalf if you're not able to do so. So in the instance where someone may be incapacitated because they're in the hospital or they could even be out of the country and just not able to transact business on their behalf, you have named someone who can serve in your place. Mm. And that's critically important because we see what happens when someone does not have these documents in place. Guess where they're going? Mm. To court
1: yeah yeah mm. And so what what hap- we'll talk about what happens there when they when they don't have that document in place but mm. let's review the, the other sure. four doc- other three first.
2: So we have the financial power of attorney. Mm-hmm. we also have the medical power of attorney. Mm. and so that does the same thing as the financial but for your health care decisions. So you want to make sure that you name someone to be able to step in your place and make health care decisions if you're not able to communicate that to the doctor. The other two would be the living will, also known as an advance directive, and that is doing exactly what the document says. You're giving in advance directives to the doctor as to what you want your end-of-life care to look like so that you don't have someone trying to figure that out and all the emotions that – correspond with that. Mm -hmm. And then finally, you have the HIPAA release, and the HIPAA release allows someone to access your medical records. So federal law says a hospital or a third party, they're not supposed to release your medical information. Well, if you're that healthcare power of attorney, how are you to know what's going on? And so that HIPAA release gives you the ability to do so. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, they all really work together, those last three, medical power of attorney is while you are still alive and hopefully going to recover but perhaps are unable to speak or you ha- you are unconscious even but you know it's possible through medical intervention that you'll be just fine in the end someone
2: needs to be able to speak on your behalf that's right that's right so whether it's as you mentioned they could be in a coma mm-hmm. or perhaps they're just not physically able to communicate what those decisions are for whatever that reason may be you want to have someone who can do that for you mm-hmm.
1: and certainly
2: even if they're able to communicate, it's
1: always helpful to have a family member or someone who cares about you there with you in the hospital. I've heard that patients are often receiving better care especially elderly, when there's someone else who's showing up, who's calling, who's attending appointments.
2: I would agree 100%. Mm -hmm. And you know, personally, and this happened when my son was a baby, where he had to have emergency surgery at 10 weeks old. Mm -hmm. And I, thank goodness, was able to be there every day. And he was in the hospital for about two and a half weeks. And those nurses, not that they wouldn't have given him Mm -hmm. good care, but I know the fact that I was there, pretty much spending the night there, They knew that I was on top of it. And so the same thing as it relates to our senior parents. Mm -hmm. Because so often, not that doctors, nurses are doing this intentionally, it's just that there's so much that's happening, but someone has to be there to advocate for that individual. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. And certainly the living will is the the directions that you wanna give when you
2: know that it is the end of your life, that you're not going to survive. That's right, and one of the worst things that I've seen is having someone make those decisions and they had no idea what it is that you would've wanted, and so the guilt that that individual feels because they don't know if they make this decision is this what you would have wanted? And if they don't make the decision, are they, it it just goes back and forth. And so the best thing to do is to eliminate the guilt, eliminate the the chaos that oftentimes happens when someone's you know, in a situation where it is the end of life, but no one wants to let them go. And I've often joked that my grandmother, when she was 92 years old, signed that do not resuscitate order. And if it was up to me, she would still be (laughs) on ice. (laughs) But it wasn't up to me. Right,
1: right. And we we hold on and we react. And I I think sometimes... death and illness brings out the best in people and also unfortunately the worst and even the the family dynamics. But we're often making decisions based on what we want and how we feel about that person or the guilt we might have for how we interacted with them when they were alive. And we're trying to fix it now when they've made it quite clear what their wishes are. That's and correct. so it makes it easier for everyone involved to honor that person's wishes when they've been written down And also, you you emphasize it's not just about having it written down. It's about also discussing it. Or not just about discussing it, but having it written down. So it's really both, isn't
2: it? Yes, absolutely. So often we think, oh, well, I... You know, I wrote it out, mm-hmm. but then you tucked it away in a corner somewhere and never talked to anybody about yeah, it. No one knows it. where to find that no piece of paper. Knows, no one knows where to find it. No one knows what you said. No one knows if you were in your right mind when you put it, you know, when you wrote it down. Yeah. And so I encourage conversation as frequently as possible. And I know this is not popular dinner time you know, conversation <laughs> yes. and no one wants to have a lot of people are afraid to have that conversation with either their parents or the mm-hmm. parents are scared to have it with their children, because both parties sometimes can be a little reluctant and they want to shut it down. Mm -hmm. I've had a number of people say, well, how do I um, even broach this with my children? Because anytime I I try, they're like, mom, you're not going to die. Stop talking about it. Mm -hmm. And they really want to talk about it so their kids know what their wishes are.
1: Yeah, that that's I, I, I have that conversation with my mom. She wants to talk about everything in detail, and it makes it so real. Yes. But you're really doing everyone a disservice. Number one, they really do, as, as our parents age, they want to talk and they want to tell the stories and they want to make sure they can get everything off their chest in general yes. and then very specifically about their end-of-life desires.
2: And I would just add, encourage that because there's so much wealth in those conversations. And that's really where the legacy to me comes Mm -hmm. from, making sure that we can capture those stories because once they're gone, the stories Mm -hmm. are gone and we get them muddled and we just don't remember exactly what they were saying or, what they meant. So capture it while they're yes. still here. And that's
1: that's a passion of yours. Your website is coloradolegacy.com. And it's not just about our finances in terms of our legacy. It really is about those values and stories and
2: the person themselves. We call them priceless conversations. Mm-hmm. They definitely are uh, the, the essence of who this individual was. I've heard it said that when a person dies, it's like a library mm-hmm. burning. And as a book lover, <laughs> that just tears my heart up to know that we all this, information is gone when that person mm-hmm. leaves. So over the, I mean, we're coming up to the holiday season and mm-hmm. I really strongly encourage your listeners to take that time. And while you're eating, whatever it is you're eating, whether it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever the holiday is, take some time to really sit at the foot of that mm-hmm. senior and listen to what it is that they want to share with you. Yeah,
1: that's great. And I'd, I'd rather you Facebook live that conversation than Facebook live what you're eating for dinner. That might be a, a great Use of that tool, huh? I would agree. Yeah, because it's not only broadcast out live, but you're preserving it to be able to view it later.
2: And it could be richness. It could be something that someone else hears and says, wow, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do the same thing with my family member. Yeah, that's
1: great. And so we're encouraging you leading up to... National Estate Planning Week, uh, beginning October 17th. You've got a couple weeks to get yourself ready. Start thinking also, as Michelle said, about the holidays. We've got Thanksgiving. We've got Christmas coming up. Uh, That's a really good time of year to reminisce and to really honor our family members. I uh, attended a conference at my church uh, last week, um, on Blessing the Generations, uh, the Power of a Parent's Blessing. Um, Craig Hill has a ministry in Littleton, Colorado, and it really talked about Uh, the times in a person's life where we need our parents' blessing at conception, at birth, in infancy, um, childhood, uh, puberty, when we get married. But he said the last time as we turn around as adult children and we bless our parents mm-hmm. and he recommends that you do it publicly and that you put it in writing and present it to your parents and uh, what a blessing it is obviously for our parents but it blesses us as well and that really is part of what you're talking about not just managing our finances but really uh, being being mindful of what is our legacy
2: what are we leaving behind not just money that's right and also kind of managing those relationships mm-hmm. i love that being mm-hmm. able to receive the blessing from the parent but also for you to be now be able to bestow a blessing. And so often, especially at the end of our lives, we questioned, were we good enough? Did we do enough? Are our children going to be okay? And can you imagine that sense of peace to hear your child say, you know what, mom, dad, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Thank you for everything that you've seeded into my life.
1: And our parents love that kind of thing publicly because many of us, we do that, you know, one on one with our parents all the time. But uh, we know that our parents love to my mom is still, you know, showing people little mementos or, you know, if I speak at a conference, I'll send her the brochure just because I know she loves that and she wants to brag on me. And so
2: we're blessing our parents to do that for them publicly. I love it tied to that, my mom, I send out the monthly newsletter and my mom will forward it to friends of hers, (laughs) even though it might have a totally different state. It doesn't matter. Yeah, That's (laughs) beautiful. Yeah. Well, let me
1: give you and our listeners some statistics on just how important it is for this end of life planning and estate planning in general. Uh, 90% of people say that talking with their loved ones about end of life care is important, but only 27% have actually done so. And so we all know, yeah, we need to do this, but so few of us do. And that's why we're on the air today encouraging you to take active steps, concrete steps, to get that planning done in those discussions, make sure you're having those discussions. 60% of people say making sure their family is not burdened by tough decisions is extremely important, uh, yet 56% have not communicated their end of life wishes. of people say that if seriously ill, they'd wanna talk to their doctor about wishes for medical treatment toward the end of their life, yet a mere 7% report having had this conversation with their their doctor. So it's not just having these conversations with family members. If we have a regular physician our um, primary care provider, we should talk with them about it as well.
2: Yes. It's fascinating that the intention is there. Mm -hmm. It's just that the execution
1: (laughs) is not so much. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, 82% of people say it's important to put their wishes in writing, but only 23% have actually done it. And that's what we see. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, uh, I gave some scenarios at the beginning of the show, Michelle. Um, A single person undergoes elective surgery and it goes wrong. Who makes the decisions? And I mentioned a few others that we'll talk about. But uh, you say we should review our plans whenever one of what you call the five D's take place. So what are those five D's and speak to to this single person who, you know, things go wrong, but it's just them as an adult. They have no spouse. Perhaps their parents are have already passed passed on. They don't have children how do we handle those kinds of things?
2: So when we think, let me speak first to that scenario. Mm -hmm. And one of the D's would probably be disability for that one. Mm -hmm. So you have an individual relatively healthy. Let's just say they were in their mid thirties. So young, probably never gave a thought about planning and they're not married to anyone. But I will also stress that in this scenario, it doesn't matter. That individual who underwent the surgery and now someone needs to make decisions as to his or her health care needed to have documents in place, specifically the disability planning documents that we mentioned. So... What happens? That individual did not have that in place. Let's say that the parents are no longer living, there are no children. So now the court is going to be faced with a situation of saying, we need to appoint someone to serve as this person's guardian. We need someone who's able to make medical decisions or to step in on this person's behalf, depending on the nature of what's going on. So I think about. uh, there was an individual um, whose mother passed, or not passed away, who went into a medically induced coma. That person did not have their documents in place. Mm-hmm. They had to go to court to petition for guardianship over their mother. Mm-hmm. And it was an emergency guardianship. And what could have been just a ver- relatively inexpensive thing on the front end of it became a much more expensive venture on the back end of it. Thankfully, this individual came out of it and they're now fine and has now put their own documents in place. But in that moment, that hospital wanted to know who's going to be in charge, who's Mm -hmm. making these decisions. So that's one way that it had to be resolved. Right. And so... The five Ds, one of them is
1: decline or disability. Uh, But you say that when we have certain uh, milestones or circumstances shift in our lives, we really need to revisit our our documents. So it's divorce, decade, Decade, meaning the amount of time going by, death, diagnosis,
2: and decline. So say say more about those. So, you know, a lot of us, myself included, will be approaching a milestone okay. birthday, next, birthday. Year. Oh, next, next year. next year. Next okay. year, yeah. All right. <laughs> and so when we look at decades, those are usually pretty monumental times, mm-hmm. whether it's 30, 40, 50, 60, and beyond. Mm-hmm. Those are times where we really start to reflect about our life and making sure that we are positioned where we think we should be at that particular stage. So I often tell people that if you're approaching one of those milestone birthdays, that's exactly when you should really, if you've already engaged in estate planning, great, Now is the time to review it. And if you haven't, you definitely need to consider right. that. So not only looking at the age milestones
1: as a time to do your plan, but if you have one in place, which we know the minority of folks listening do you need to review the plan you have. That's it, it, it.
2: It could be very outdated based on your circumstances. That's right. So many people have said, oh, I have a will in place. I said, oh, okay, great. You know, when was it done? Oh, it was about
1: 20 years ago. (laughs) And their whole life situation has changed. So one of the Ds is divorce, for example. So they might have been married with small children Mm -hmm. when they first did their will. And now it's 30 years later, their kids are grown and they're divorced and maybe even remarried with with a new uh, beneficiary and maybe stepchildren that they want to include in the will. It's time to redo it. And
2: let's talk about that for a Mm -hmm. minute, because divorce is one of those situations where, you know, unfortunately it happens so often within our community, within Mm -hmm. our our society. And so we want to make sure that uh, if a person is contemplating divorce, that they're also contemplating in the back of their head, I need to start making some changes mm-hmm. to my beneficiary designations, and then officially, once they are divorced, definitely making those changes. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow! So that that's that's an interesting way to think about it—not only after a divorce, but as a couple is discussing divorce, not just about, uh, you know, what are they going to do with their. Uh, who's getting the house and and visitation, but they really need to look at those assets and beneficiaries and life insurance plans and all of that as well. That's correct. Okay, wonderful. Well, I'm speaking with a state attorney, Michelle Adams, and we're talking about the five documents that you need to have in place for your estate planning and when we need to review those documents or for, for sure get them in place if we haven't already. We're going to take a quick break, but first, what special planning do you need after you've If after uh, you've gone, if you're a business owner or have a pet, Michelle Adams gives us the answers and more when we return. Stay with us.
0: Schools are increasingly adopting 21st century learning strategies. However, safety largely remains absent from the conversation, and fragmented efforts continue allowing for security gaps. Studies show effective learning can only exist when students and teachers feel safe. As the industry leader providing innovative educational solutions for more than 58 years, school specialty has created the 21st Century Safe School, which aligns next-generation learning best practices with proven safety solutions focused on the mental, physical, and emotional well-being
4: But after a few days, weeks, or even months, you slip back into old behaviors and patterns. If you want something different, you've got to do something different. Yet most people won't do what's required to experience the lasting change they say they want. Why? Because change is hard. It's scary, and it comes at a cost. If you're ready for change, join psychologist, author, and transformation specialist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark for a one-day Do Something Different for a Change Personal Transformation Retreat. In this intensive yet intimate retreat, you'll learn fundamental principles and strategies for lasting change and transformation and craft a customized plan that you can put into action right away. Dr. Pegg's Do Something Different for a Change Personal Transformation Retreat is coming to Denver on Saturday, December 30th. Go to drpegradio.com forward slash retreat to register today.
1: Well, welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. You're listening to Living Well with Dr. Pegg, and my guest today is a state attorney, Michelle Adams. And you can go to drpegradio.com for a link to connect with Michelle Adams, and her website is Colorado Family Legacy.com. And you can also learn about my December 30th Do Something Different for a Change Personal Transformation Retreat. If you're ready to experience lasting change, go to drpegradio.com retreat to register. And listeners, if you have questions or comment about estate planning, wills, or trusts, give us a call at 303-477-5600 to speak with estate attorney Michelle Adams. Again, that's 303-477-5600. So, Michelle, we're talking about times to revisit the estate plan or get one going, if you haven't already. Uh, my twins turned 23 yesterday. <laughs> and birthday. so, thank you. So, uh, you know, 21 we kind of think of as that milestone. But if they haven't put anything in place at 21, 23 is a, as good a time as any.
2: Yes, it's never
1: too late. Never too late and never too soon. And certainly once they turn 18, they really do need to have their own Uh, plans in place. So we were talking about the single person who becomes disabled. I gave another uh, uh, scenario at the beginning of the show of a separated couple, but they're not actually yet divorced and one of them dies. What happens in that
2: case? So, so often, and it could be a generational thing, but uh, Mm -hmm. there are couples who just stay together. They're no (laughs) longer, they're living separate lives, but they are still legally. Had a few of those in my family. (laughs) So for whatever the reason, maybe it's the same reason they don't do estate planning, but for whatever the reason, the divorce was never finalized. And so as a result, legally they are entitled to assets from the deceased individual's estate. Mm. And so oftentimes people think, well, they weren't together, so Mm. I deserve this. Especially if they were living with someone else, right? Yes. And so, you know, it's the stuff that soap operas are made out of, but it's real life where Mm -hmm. individuals now are being faced with that very real consequence of not actually going forward Mm -hmm. with finalizing that information. And so we want to make sure that at the very least if the couple, for whatever reason, they're separated, but they're not divorced, you still want to think about making changes to beneficiary designations. Mm-hmm. So perhaps it's on your life insurance policy, depending on the type of retirement a new account you have, you might be able to list someone else as the primary beneficiary, mm-hmm. but you really need to take stock of all of those yeah. assets and name appropriate beneficiaries yeah. on them. And I've heard the
1: scenario where a couple actually does get divorced and um, the children are still minor children and they have the children as beneficiaries. But as long as they're under age 18, guess who the money goes to? That's right. Whoever the custodial parent (laughs) is. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So we want to be mindful of that. And let's talk about that scenario where um, both parents are injured and they eventually both die, but there was nothing in place.
2: What happens then? So those are probably some of the more tragic ones, mm-hmm. because we know that parents, by and large, want to do the right things by their children, and they want to make sure that they're protected. And yet, no one foresees that this is going to happen. And so we have that scenario, parents die as a result of a tragic you know, uh, situ- accident, and one, where are those children when that accident occurs mm-hmm. so we want to make sure that they're in a safe place and police may be called and they might have to make a decision as to mm-hmm. where those children need to be placed temporarily right. until the dust, you know settles yeah. and so that temporary location may or may not be a place that the parent would have felt good about right. so you want to make sure that you have a short-term nomination in place mm-hmm. so you're not deceased yet you're still alive, but you need someone to, in that interim period, wow. to be able to take care of the kids. Mm-hmm. And then at death, who do you mm-hmm. want those children to to stay with? And like I mentioned at the top of the show, no one is perfect. No one is you. Mm-hmm. But get the very best you that's out there and and talk to that person. Right. Someone,
1: Someone with similar values who will raise your children the way you would have raised them and I think probably most importantly will love them. They may not be your wealthiest friends. They may not have the biggest home for your kids to move into but you know they'll love your children and care for them.
2: That's exactly it and sometimes I've heard where you know at one point it was one particular person that they felt really good about and then now that the kids are older it's time to shift it to someone else that they know would have be able to better handle whatever issues or challenges that those children may um, may have yeah well then that's a good point that who you may have agreed upon
1: when they were toddlers may need to be a very different person when they're teenagers. Yes. <laughs> sometimes we, when we're still alive, we sometimes need someone to kind of take over when they're teenagers, huh? You got it. Yeah. I need a temporary guardian. Exactly. <laughs> so talk about the, the special needs child yes. because it's not just about a guardian because you're, you're as the parent now deceased. They actually have some special needs where it's one thing to appoint a guardian who knows, yeah, when this kid hits early 20s or goes off to college or whatever, they'll be on their own and I'll be done. Done. But what about a child with a special need where they will always need care? What would be some recommendations in that regard?
2: So, parents who have kids with disabilities definitely need to have a plan in place because, as so many of them know, throughout the journey, you know, getting mm-hmm. to adulthood, they've had to deal with different things with the school system. Mm-hmm. And then, when that uh, child turns 18, Depending on the nature of the disability, they may need to step in and ask the court to appoint them as guardian, which is not something that automatically happens. Mm -hmm. It's a legal process that needs to take place. Sometimes you don't have to go that far and you could do something such as a medical power of attorney or a financial power of attorney, just depending on the extent of the of the child's disability. And that said, The other thing is, if they have a disability where they're qualifying for medical government benefits, then you Mm -hmm. want to make sure that any assets that are being left to them does not jeopardize that government benefit Mm -hmm. that they're receiving. Mm -hmm. And many times, well-meaning, well-intentioned individuals will say, oh, I'll leave this much money for that child and they do, and the child receives it outright, well that has now pretty much jeopardized their ability to continue receiving very vital, very critical government benefits. Mm -hmm. So it's just some very careful planning that parents with kids with disabilities need to be counseled for. Mm-hmm. And would that be something that would happen with the estate plan or would you need to bring in a financial planner you know, for that? I would say yes, because a financial planner can really help project what the, the extent of assets are needed mm-hmm. to, in order to provide for that child going into adulthood mm-hmm. and beyond. So I love to work in a collaborative environment. And whether there's it's a, a family with a child with a disability or just a family in general, General, having a financial planner at the table, or at least who's somewhat involved, is definitely worth its weight. Mm-hmm. Well, good. And speaking of that financial planning and making
1: sure that the government benefits are in place, is you may leave this lump sum that's wonderful to receive, but it's not going to last them their whole life, in taking into account the special services they're going to need. So you want to kind of plan it out when it's going to be dispersed. And in that same uh, vein, how can we reduce estate taxes? Because that that can kind of take a big hit on whatever we do leave to folks. What are some of the rules around that, at least in Colorado? And how do we maximize what we get to, to keep after someone has passed on?
2: Well, two bits of good news. Mm-hmm. First, Colorado does not have an estate tax. Okay. So we don't have to worry about that at the time of death. The other bit of good news is that really a very, very small minority of individuals are ever impacted by what's known as the federal estate tax. It literally is point zero one percent of people. So we're talking about the, the wealthiest of the wealthy. And so for ninety nine point a lot of us, <laughs> we will not have to worry okay. about that federal estate tax. So, But just in terms to quantify it, for an individual, it's slightly more than $5 million that you would need to die with before that federal estate tax became um, played a factor. Mm-hmm. And for a married couple, it's up to $10 million, slightly more than $10 million. And so for a lot of us, it's not an issue. Mm-hmm. Other taxes, of course, we still have to deal with that, whether it's income taxes or you know just anything else that we might be exposed to. Yes.
1: Well, I hope to be in that .001 percent one day where <laughs> I will have to call you to deal with how how should I handle my ten billion dollars. I will dollars. gladly
2: help
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, let's talk about uh, uh, in terms of um, making plans for the people who will be left behind. Uh, we've covered uh, disabled. We've covered um, our elderly. Uh, well, talking with our elderly parents. But what about when that elderly parent is the one left behind? We were the caregiver for them. Would that be similar advice that you would have for the minor child?
2: So just to be clear, so now the se- the, the parent... I'm
1: the caregiver. I'm the adult child caregiver of my elderly parent, but I die. Because we talked about having the conversation yes. with our elderly parents for the preparation of their death. But what if I'm at the caregiver and I pass on... Uh, what kind of plans should I have in place? Because that might be something we'd overlook. We take care of our own children, but forget that, wait, my elderly parents are dependent upon me. I need a plan for them
2: when I pass on. So it would depend on the level of dependence. So for a number of people, you have a situation where parents might be living Mm -hmm. with that Mm -hmm. that adult child who's no longer living. And while legally, unless they had guardianship over that parent – Legally, there's nothing you could really do mm-hmm. in your documents to plan for that inevitability. Okay. So that's where you really have to have those conversations. If you don't have other siblings who could step in to take care, then perhaps there's a really good friend that you know looked at th- your parents like their parents, mm-hmm. and they would be willing to assist. Now, legally, they're not obligated Nobody's to do obligated, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
1: And that might be a place for for your church family to step in and have those kinds of conversations, even including about your children as well, if you have no other relatives or friends that you think would be suitable.
2: I would hope so because we have to get back to a more community orientated way of looking at family Mm -hmm. so that it's not just, well, this is my parent, this Mm -hmm. is your parent, but, you know, this is an elder, as you mentioned, in the church. Mm -hmm. What can we do to rally around that individual? Because maybe the child is living, but they're not here in the state, so they need other people to come in and support them. Mm -hmm. I've mentioned before, my parents live out of state, and I'm so thankful for their neighbors, for their church family, for others who rally around them constantly to make sure that they're okay. Yeah,
1: that's wonderful. And I'll give a shout out to someone I've had on my show before, Nadine Cornish Roberts. And uh, she's written a book called Tears in My Gumbo and, and is a consultant to help caregivers figure out how to take care of, of wh- whoever it is, whether they're elderly, a disabled child uh, but she can coach folks through that and, and help kind of advocate for them with those resources.
2: And I just also want to co-sign what you said mm-hmm. there because it's an excellent read and it's provides very pragmatic, practical steps Mm -hmm. about what we can all do to make sure that we're getting everything in order, whether it's having that that community of individuals around to support us, taking care of ourselves, Mm -hmm. things along those lines. Absolutely. Uh, So what would be
1: some of the other resources in the community, Uh, someone like Nadine, for example, um, for for those of you who are caregivers, but what would be some resources, especially for seniors
2: who are trying to do this kind of planning? So, one of the resources that I love, and I'm a little biased, but the Bar Association puts out a very thick, I call it a phone book, <laughs> and it has Pretty much about 300 pages of resources and information for not only for the seniors, but also for family members of that individual. So it's called the Colorado Senior Law Handbook. Mm. And you can get it. You can get the, the physical copy of it, but you can also download it from um, the Colorado Bar Association. Mm-hmm. So if you go to cobar, C-O-B-A-R.org, you can retrieve a copy of that. And excellent. it's an excellent resource for individuals. Good.
1: And we know the, our elderly Uh, relatives love to read still. We might still like to scroll and see 144 characters or less, but I know my mom loves, she tells me to write her because she just loves to read (laughs) rather than, uh, you know, getting little snippets. So Mm -hmm. 300 pages may not be intimidating. Not at all. All Good. (laughs) Now, one other, uh, you heard my commercial about my book, Doggy Tales... Mm -hmm. Uh, What about our pets? Uh, uh, I have to quote uh, Gino Geraci. I heard him speak, and he said the most commonly asked question he ever received when he did his call-in radio show was will my dog be in heaven? And he said, his answer was, well, I don't know, but when you get there, call his name and see if he comes. <laughs> <laughs> and so we pray that our we'll see our pets, our beloved pets again in heaven. Uh, but what about planning? I mean, you hear these stories about people going through divorces, especially when they don't have children, but even when they do, mm-hmm. you know, they're a four-legged child, basically, and yes. they're kind of Having to decide who gets custody of the pet. That's right. And so when we when we die, what what are some of the things we need to take into
2: consideration for our pets? I'm so glad you mentioned that because our our four-legged friends, whether they're cats, dogs, or mm-hmm. something else, yeah. they have become so much a part of our family. And sometimes people will spend more on their pets than they will on their mm-hmm. children. That said, <laughs> <laughs> we want to make sure that there's a plan in place. Mm-hmm. So as an example, uh, I have a client who has three dogs, all of whom came from a shelter, and uh, she wants to leave money aside for them, not Leona Hemsley money where she left. I think it was something in excess of 10000 a yeah. month for their care. But she wants to leave something for them so that the individual that she selected will have money to pay for things such sure. as medical care, food, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And a, a, a bejeweled studded exactly. dog collar maybe. Yes. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> But the other thing is um, consider making a donation if no one is available to take care of the pet. Uh, making a donation to a shelter, an animal shelter of some sort where they can then be the ones to take over the care because, you know, they receive so many animals and they're not always able to financially support that. Mm-hmm. But if you can leave something, if not to an individual, then to an organization that takes in these animals, that would be wonderful. But yeah. you do need to plan and be thoughtful about it
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, and make sure that that person wants your, your pets. Okay. Great, great suggestions. Let's talk. Uh, we
1: have a couple minutes left, about our online legacy. Yes. How do we handle all of the online accounts, online data? You know, it's in the news about these security breaches with all of our, you know, personal data. So how do we protect ourselves after death and so that uh, people have access to the online accounts they need? They have our passwords. Uh, or if if um, it's a drain on our estate because some hacker got in before our, our loved ones could get those funds out give us some advice in the last couple minutes yes yeah.
2: so so many people when I bring that up about digital assets they say oh I don't have anything I said okay do you have a Facebook page you mm-hmm. know that's usually takes care of most people there but also if you have a blog if you have um, the big thing now or one of the newest things are bitcoins and mm. how do you take care and make sure that someone's aware of what these assets are and you mentioned, the password. So I always advise people, and I know our passwords change all the time, but to the extent that you can, keep a list of what those passwords are and leave them with the the trusted individual who you have nominated to serve as your personal representative if you've done that planning and put that planning in place. Um, The big issue with this is that if the account get shut down, there could be really vital information, pictures. So many of us take pictures, post them on Facebook, or even our music, whether you download music from Apple or some other source, you want to make sure that they can have access to it. So at the very least, let someone know what those passwords are or where you keep those passwords. And Facebook in particular has a way to nominate someone to serve as an individual who can memorialize your account. Okay, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah, good information because we're in a whole new age here, the age of digital uh, communication, certainly banking online. We definitely don't want our money to get tied up online because somebody didn't have our password. I know I don't. Yeah, wonderful (laughs) advice. Uh, My guest has been Michelle Adams, a state attorney. You can go to drpegradio.com to get information to link you back to Michelle. Um, to listen online every Thursday to Living Well with Dr. Pegg and register for my retreat or the Pumpkin Pie 5K, go to drpegradio.com. My guest has been Michelle Adams, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark reminding you to live well.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Living Well with Dr. Pegg. For more information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark about her mental health or consulting services, please visit her webpage at drpegradio.com.